General Nerdery. Hey everybody, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And we have no idea quite what we're doing here. We just thought it would be fun to talk about nerd stuff and let other people listen to nerd stuff. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, in fact, if you if you let me, I'm going to do this as episode zero. Oh, that sounds when great. it comes down to it, the secret, maybe not secret origins, we can go secret origins some other day, but this episode definitely isn't going to play like how we're going to do things from here on out. But we figured we'd at least try it out and have a rough idea of how this sounds. And introduce ourselves so you know why the fuck we're, we're saying all this anyway to you. So Tyler, who are you? Who am I? Okay, so I was thinking about this and I wanted to, I don't want to toot my own horn. Please toot. But I do feel like if you people are going to sit here and be listening to us talk about nerd stuff, I should probably establish credentials. Probably both of us. To yeah, yeah. I, I figured it was going to come up at some point. Um, and not to be like, oh, I'm a true nerd and you guys aren't. But uh, just so you'd be like, yeah, you, this way you guys know where, where we're coming from. There will be no nerd gatekeeping here. No, 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 no. This is, we're all about love. We're all about inclusivity. But at the same time, like, I'm sure you guys want to know why you should listen to us talk. Exactly. Uh, so, ooh, I think it's really important for my whole frame of reference to to bring up the fact that going way back and starting and going through all of this, I come from a very small town. Oh, how, where do you come from again? I forget. I mean, we're so, in Missoula, Montana. We're not exactly big town to most of the world already. So yeah. So here's the thing. I don't. I want to explain because I've heard people say small town before, especially like East Coasters. They'll be like, oh, I'm from a small town. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, how small? And there'll be like 10,000 people. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, oh, okay, you're from a city. And they'll be like, no, that's a town. I'd be like, oh, see, because that town you just described is about six to eight times bigger than my home county was. I love talking to friends in L.A. and they're like, oh, it's not that big. I'm like, you have three times the population of my state in your town. Yeah. So I'm from Superior originally. Uh, the time period I was there, oh, I'd say I'd say the population was probably between five to eight hundred. Yeah, that sounds about right for Superior. Ugh. With, uh, you know, the county's population fluctuating between a thousand to fifteen, sixteen hundred, <laughs> depending on what year we're talking and if the mill just shut down or not. Oh, God, yeah. Ooh, so, yeah, little place, little town, uh, but my nerd roots go all the way back to the fact that I was an early reader. Oh, uh, that's probably where mine picked up, too. Uh, I was not, like, super genius getting into Harvard at, like, age 12 early reader, but I was finishing, I was finishing reading the entire children's section of the library in first grade. And started in on my first full-blown novel by second grade. Or finished it that summer and was starting on my second one in second grade. Do you remember what those novels were at all? Well, I want to back it up a little oh, bit okay. first because what goes into the nerdery... Uh, I, I did a little bit of research. I was like, oh shit, I was trying to think of things. I'm like, oh, what what can I point to specifically? What can I remember? What, what was can your I... defining moment? So back in the children's phase... <laughs> It was uh, a book. Let me see. I, I had to save it here. Oops. I didn't mean to bookmark that. I meant to call up my bookmarks. The Pinkish Purplish Bluish Egg 
I have children's never even book. heard of that. That's amazing. Blew my world open because <laughs> because what hatched out of the pinkish, purplish, bluish egg was a griffin. Oh yeah, okay, perfect. Blew my little kid mind way wide open. Uh, immediately became like a big mythology nerd. Like I said, I was already reading all the time anyway. I was down at the library all the time. Read through everything they had mythology. Uh, as I've mentioned over on my other podcast, uh, that also led into me being the kid that... Uh, you remember the Simpsons episode where there's the occult section of the library? Yes. God, yeah, I, God, I lived there. Like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I lived there. Yeah, I remember when I discovered the podcast lore and I kept coming up to you with like, I discovered this cool thing. And you're like, I learned about that when I was seven, but yay. Um... <laughs> Oh, I don't. I hope I wasn't that hot no, about no, it. No, no. I just you're like, oh, yay! That's totally new information. <laughs> that got me. I mean, those two things together got me into like folklore, mm. um, and then almost all of those books always had a section about these things as how they're depicted in the movies. Mm-hmm. So then I was suddenly like, oh. There's universe, movies? Yeah, <laughs> movies. Universal Monsters was big because of the like vampire tie-in from both folklore and Like the actual mythologies. black and white ones? Oh, like, yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, Bela Lugosi, Christopher Lee, that sort of stuff. Uh, Wolfman, because once again, you have werewolves and folklore. Uh, but the other thing that caught my mind then, and because it was reinforced by stuff on TV, was like uh, Godzilla. And I was big into Power Rangers at the time. Oh my god, I loved Power Rangers. Uh, I watched, like, religiously up until, like, the first movie. I... A little bit after, but... I admittedly... I'm not super proud of this, but I did it. I just recently bought the Power Rangers Justice League comic book crossover. Because I was like, little kid me would have been... Would have murdered someone for this comic book. Like, I can't not try it. It was okay. Um... And all this time, like, I'm voraciously reading, like, fantasy and sci-fi, but it's what I could get at the library in Superior. Yeah. So it's a lot of the same things over and over again, because (laughs) there was only so much that was good. But, uh, so, unfortunately, sometimes, like, the breadth of my knowledge isn't as wide as I hope, but that's what I've spent sort of my teen years, and then 20s, and now 30s, almost catching up on, um... Going throughout all of this, like my earliest mem, one of my earliest memories is being taught how to play Super Mario Brothers. So I've been a gamer throughout all of this, uh, leading up to, oh, I don't know, I'd, I'd say like my maybe my grand achievements gaming wise would be like I've put at least fifteen hundred hours into the first Guild Wars, uh, helped run like a thirty person guild when it was at its largest. Impressive at one point was ranked in the top 10 in the world in the Flugtog minigame in Trials HD on Xbox Arcade. I don't even know what that means. I know, but somebody (laughs) out there does. Somebody out there does. Gotta love the internet. Uh, And me and my best friend in high school once spent uh, half a night going through the game and deciphering the entire Diedrich alphabet in Morrowind. Oh, damn. Uh, including finding what I believe is the game's only Y in the sign outside Telfir, uh, only to go online to post our findings to realize that if we were just playing the computer version and not the Xbox port, it would have been included as a font. (laughs) (laughs) 
did that all by hand, though, ourselves over hours one night. That is that is a dedication that blows my mind. Dude, we were playing a lot of Morrowind. I understand. Um, shit. Was introduced to, like, British comedy super early. My best friends introduced me to, like, Red Dwarf and Monty Python. Um, in fact, one of my friends aunt had given him the book of the script of holy grail for his birthday so if we got bored sitting around the house we would literally read the script (laughs) (laughs) later on added black adder to that mix oh i love black adder Um, i sort of found that one myself only then when i told my friends who had introduced me into like to like Monty Python and mm-hmm. Red Dwarf about it, be like, oh yeah, we have those tapes too. You guys want to pop them in? Like, you dicks! <laughs> like, <laughs> how how dare you? Uh, there's never been a time in my life that I don't remember Star Wars. Uh, I remember very specifically, and I'll get to it on my part, but uh, very specifically, the first time I watched Star Wars. I see. I don't. I what I do remember is that like early on being babysat. I was shown the Ewok Adventures movies. Oh my god. And even though this is like super early getting babysat memory, I remember the Ewoks came up and I knew what they were because I already knew Star Wars. I I thought we might have to do an episode on the Ewok Adventures movies. I thought those were the coolest shit. And then I watched them a few years ago and went, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Because you asked me earlier what my first novels were. And I have to say, oh no, looking back on how poorly those have aged. Oh, oh, were they Xanth? Yes. Oh my god. If, if there's a fantasy novel that's aged badly, it's Spell for Chameleon. Let's be really honest here. Which is possibly the most like realistic and grounded of all of them, too. Yeah, but it is the most sexist thing I have ever possibly read in my it's life. It's true. Um, but I... Oh god. At establishing nerd credential. Cause so, the same time I was reading Spell for, Chameleon, Spell for Chameleon as like a six-year-old, mm-hmm. seven-year-old, somewhere in that range... Uh, I also became a dues-paying member of the National Dinosaur Society. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Uh, I became a member of the Piers Anthony fan club just in time for them to print their very last newsletter. Oh, good. (laughs) Collectible. (laughs) Yeah. I should still have it around here somewhere. (laughs) Let me see. But then, like, my teen years, I was just reading a lot, but mostly became a a music nerd at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in choir, like, 12 years of my life including a few honor and invitation only choirs i did like eight years of choir and then realized i hated auditioning and have never tried again since yeah oh yeah i don't yeah fuck auditioning (laughs) um but it was during it was weirdly my love for music that made me love just the idea of genres in general which then like i was reading genre stuff before horror Mm-hmm. sci-fi fantasy that sort of thing but i wasn't thinking about them like that until i was thinking about music being like oh metal prog rock hip-hop this or that and then i started noticing how genres interconnect and inter- and intertwine and that's been huge for me going forward i ended up just absolutely loving like as i got into more movie fandom things like quentin tarantino because of the way he mashes up he wears all of his inspiration on his oh, sleeve. the least subtle director I've possibly ever seen. Um, or things like, I am 
just a huge Kevin Smith fanboy. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that and Smodcast and all that. <laughs> yeah, I think first Kevin Smith I ever saw was Mallrats, so it was just super geared towards 12-year-old comic book nerd being utterly in love with it. And then... But here's the thing, like, I didn't... Now it seems like, especially amongst my my friend group, like, they come to me with, like, their comic book questions. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into that until my 20s. When I was young, I basically didn't get comics because we were poor. And you lived in Superior. And like, I lived I'm sure in the Superior. the options were just primo there. Yeah, awesome options. But the other thing was my parents were like, well, we could spend... Uh, what was mid '90s comic book price? Two bucks, buck fifty-two. Yeah, yeah. They, we could spend two bucks on you know this thirty-page comic that's mostly pictures. Or we could eat today. Or we could spend. Or if we're going to spend money on you, we could mm. spend eight dollars on a four hundred-page novel. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. The super efficiency of choice. Mm-hmm. So I got novels. Never really got comic books, but I did. And so I got hit those hard once I hit my 20s and discovered Sandman. That's the entry for a lot of a lot of college kids in comic books. Uh, I'd always liked Batman growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, my road to Batman is weird because I like Batman because I was a fan of Zorro first. Oh, so you're kind of Batman in the same way that Batman is Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up loving... I, I grew up like doing the Z on the fucking shower wall and soap and stuff oh man as soon as i discovered with my name being zach and starting with a z as soon as i discovered there was a person who did that i'm like well he's amazing yeah uh, i i just justified it to myself because like my last name ends in z so did you start with that antonio banderas movie or like no i started with the old black and whites i woke up super early in the morning i've ever since i was a little kid i suffered from insomnia Okay. Uh, still do, though it's more in check these days than it has been in the past. Uh, other than maybe last night, that kind of sucked. But being up all hours was very common. And uh, a lot of the TV, so Superior, the basic cable package, up until the age of, up until my teens, was like under 20 channels. Yeah. Um. And a lot of it was like old reruns. My my TV, like my favorite TV shows growing up were Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, Taxi, <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore. I don't think I've ever actually seen Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. I don't even know that one. Uh, so like I was raised on like weirdly like 70s and 80s sitcoms, mm-hmm. even though I was growing up in the 90s. <laughs> All the all the other stuff came later because I, I couldn't keep up to date. We didn't. Oh yeah, I, totally. I, I had friends that had satellite at certain points, so I'd be able to occasionally like go over and catch MTV and like it would mostly be to do like through Road Rules Challenge. That yeah, sort I don't of thing. I don't think I had any of those until high school, and by that point, MTV like in two thousand five, MTV had kind of already passed its glory days. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't have Cartoon Network or any of that, so like I, I I watched all the old school Nickelodeon cartoons religiously, but that's one of my other earliest memories is watching the very first episode of Doug. But, oh man, do 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 do. Dancing that doesn't actually work for a podcast. You can't see any of that. But so I hit comics hard or harder anyway in my twenties and through modern and through 
till today mm-hmm. where I, like I'm reading finally getting around to reading crisis on infinite earths in the other room, but it's been, I mean, not being in it for so long, it's been a lot of trying to get caught up. Luckily I retain a lot of information, which is why people keep coming to me. Yeah. Uh, however, I did want to look it up because I did have three comic books when I was growing up. Oh, and do you remember was, what you had? That was the other thing I tried to research. One of them I couldn't figure out for sure. Hit me. It was, I think, I think I found it, but I'm not positive because it didn't look a hundred percent familiar. Uh, but I think I had Superman number 502, which is boy meets girl, Superboy meeting Supergirl during the reign of the Superman. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I've, I've read the issue before, but it's been... 15 years probably right. like the other two i ne- i found for sure i didn't realize you had down to specific issues that's impressive i like i only had th- like i said i only had three comic books growing up so <laughs> i didn't like the superboy one which is why i don't remember that's, it wasn't well. very good reign of superman was not a great comic uh so let me find i did find the other two though because i remembered them for sure i had and i knew that you'd be interested Oh, well, yeah. That, that's like crack to me. Just, oh, do you want to talk about comic books? I had uh, X-Men number 46 from the 1991 run. Uh, that was the first issue in The Return of the X-Babies. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't read that one specifically, but anytime X-Babies comes up, oh boy. Joe Quesada, uh penciled by Andy Kubert. Wow, that is the most 90s thing I've possibly ever heard. Oh, I know the cover at least, yeah. Uh, and the other one I had was Superman Man of Steel number 50, The Trial of Superman. My friend had that one. I don't think I ever read it. I I hated Superman as a kid. So um, did I, but that was... because I love it now, but... That was the one thing, though, where I had that one weird... I feel like a lot of people know this these days, mm-hmm. but... Back, especially in Little Superior in the 90s, no other kid seemed to know this little bit of information, and that's Superman solar-powered, and I learned that from that issue. (laughs) (laughs) Because they try to execute him by throwing him into a sun. Oh, that's going to go great for you. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) But now, I mean, these days, I suppose, if I were to list off, like, I'm a proud Slytherin, my Patronus is a Thestral... I would consider myself to be a Whovian due to my love, though I know mostly new Who, though I've done a little bit of old. Um, we can do an episode sometime. I've I've got some of them on DVD. They are an experience. Uh, I don't know if there's any established fandoms for, like, Big Mouth and Inbetweeners, but I've watched every episode of those shows at least, like, ten times each, I think. I've not watched Big Mouth. It's amazing. <laughs> it is, like teenage uh inside out yeah okay i can see that except way raunchier oh yeah no it's teenage it's gonna be (laughs) yeah but way raunchier than what you're even thinking right now. fair enough god what else like first five seasons of the office i've probably seen like 30 times that show Uh, stresses me out i tried it was funny i couldn't i couldn't do it i just recently started parks and rec and that one doesn't kick that same anxiety thing but there's something about all of the office that i'm just like i gotta go 
just go. Right. Um, I'm a huge fan of like grim dark stuff. Love 40k lore. I have Sandman tattooed on my leg. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's perfect. My I've, my I've got Princess Leia on my leg. <laughs> uh, my cat is named Teekle after Clarion the Witch Boys familiar. What am I missing? Well, you've run uh, a I'm horror tra- podcast for like 150 episodes. I've, like I'm not quite 150 yet, but <laughs> after this episode, we'll be recording episode 137 okay. of a podcast. Oh, so far away. I know. Well, it's weird. So horror horror is a weird thing for me because at this point, I know I officially qualify as being a horror nerd. Yeah. But it's not my day-to-day. Part of the reason I do the horror podcast is because I have always been interested in that stuff, and it was a way for me to keep in it. That's a good way to deep dive. Yeah, as a way to, after I'd fallen away for a bit, because I really didn't have much horror in my life for a bit, and now I've watched, like, a horror movie a week for the past three years. Yeah, that'll do it. So, technically I'm a horror nerd now. (laughs) Um, On the music side of things, I identify as a metalhead. Uh, I do listen to a lot of other stuff to the point where there's a lot of elitism uh, between the different metal subgenres. So there'd be a lot of people that would like look at my playlist and be like, don't dare call yourself that. And I'm just going to say, <laughs> screw you. We're not about gatekeeping here. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm honestly not a metal fan, uh, but I've lived with a lot of metal fans, so I've gotten at least like the border of metal nerdery and their responses there's so many subgenres oh and it's insane anyway that's um, that's its whole that's a whole other episode i think oh man we started watching death clock again god i have so many death ideas clock, for death episodes clock, death clock, death clock. oh and let me see i play magic the gathering though haven't kept up with it for the past couple of years that game kills friendships uh have played Although I haven't been active in it as, in years as well, have played Dungeons and Dragons. Rolled my first Shadowrun character at like six years old. And I... We didn't even know how to play. Me and my best friend just knew how to read source books and his <laughs> brothers were into it. So we would make characters and then go to the park and pretend to be the characters we made. Yeah, that's roughly my first D&D experiences too. Um, and we did that with oh, Shadowrun and something else, but I can't remember. What, oh, and... Uh, Oh, and he had a uh, Mutant League football. Oh, not not Mutant League football. What's the Warhammer version? Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl. We had third edition Blood Bowl, and there was a lot of lore in that too. So I we f- also mixed in Warhammer lore. Yeah. <laughs> and one other shining achievement that I can think off the top of my head is I have watched a burlesque show next to George R. R. Martin. <laughs> where that sentence started is not where I expected it to end. If I'm listing off nerd bona fides, no, like... no, that is that's legit. I <laughs> that that just was unexpected. No one could take that away from me. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I forgot something. This isn't supposed to be comprehensive, but I was just trying to let you guys know. Where... Oh, if you also want to know where I'm coming from, because I'm sure at some point when we're talking about the news or about fandom in general, and especially uh, fandom responses to things in the past few years, uh, although I believe that not everything has to be for everybody, more things need to be for more people. Oh, All yeah. the time, representation matters. 
Coco made me a sloppy bitch mess. I haven't watched it, but that's the review I've heard every time. I mean, everybody gets got by the end. I was crying ten minutes in when they showed a concha. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's on my list, but unfortunately, the hey, you should watch, read, play, whatever this that list is about as long as my house is. Right. It just it goes on and on and on. Um, Love Dragonlance. Raceland's one of my favorite literary characters of all time. I'm a huge Dresden verse fan to the point where I'm considering creating a Dresden verse campaign just to have some friends play it at oh, some point. I would point. 100% try out a Dresden verse campaign. Oh, you would love my ideas for what I really want to try to do with it too, but we can get into that at some we other point. We could record it. There's all sorts of possibilities here. Um, but I think I think that covers it for the most part right now. I like it. I like the darker, weirder, more supernatural, magic-y type side of things as a big general thing. Nice. Um, my first LAN party was Battlefield 1942. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, probably StarCraft. Yeah, I play Zerg, but I suck. I was all about the toss, but same. <laughs> God, I guess that's it for my bona fides. I... Oh, God, okay, where did I start? Um... The earliest nerd stuff that I probably remember is Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. Because it came out in 1987, and I was born summer 1988. So, like, it was always playing. My mom had a crush on Lieutenant Worf. She gets really embarrassed when I said it, so I had to make sure I said it this episode. <laughs> um, and so I that was just always there growing up, and I... It must have imprinted because I spent half an hour watching a History of the Klingons YouTube video yesterday. It was good. Nice. Uh, nice. But I really started taking off with nerdery somewhere in grade school because my babysitter rented Batman Forever. Oh. Yeah. Not a great movie, but perfect for a six or seven year old. All right. Not a great movie. The first 10 minutes of that movie might be one of the most batman accurate moments they've put to film so far tommy lee jones was having the time of his fucking life in that movie i think they i anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um and then when i was a kid mom would take me to hastings because she could buy me like two comic books and it was a cheap way to keep me entertained for the next like 14 hours and mostly spider-man and x-men back then although these days i read literally anything i can get my hands on Ooh, i should i guess yeah the i I did grow up loving like spider-man animated series x-men animated series oh man i was so in love i had and spider-man's would introduce me to blade so (laughs) i've seen that uh i didn't have much of it because i only had like three channels when i was a Mm -hmm. kid but I had the videotape that was like a Pizza Hut giveaway or something, and it had the very first episode, and I wore that tape out. So I, I loved it, and then I remember it came on Netflix a couple years the ago. The one where Morph died? Yes. The Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had that too. I, oh, I My lo- best friend had the second tape. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was obsessed with it, and then I watched it a couple years ago because I said my roommate came running up, and he's like, Animated series is on Netflix. Do you want to watch it? I'm like, Fuck yeah, I do. And we watched that episode, and we both went, "Whoa, oh, oh no!" <laughs> that voice acting was terrible. Yes. Um, 
And then around second grade, the Star Wars Special Edition came out. So I had that, and I'm one of the heathens that grew up on George Lucas's like 90s modified Star Wars as opposed to the earlier Star oh. Wars. So everyone else is like, what? No, it looks wrong. And I watched the old one, and I'm like, but where's the scenes? What's happening <laughs> Where, here? Where's the walking do-back? Why? Yes! The walk. Oh, I had the do-back. <laughs> I still have this toy, uh, a do-back toy. And unfortunately, it makes weird clinking noises because I kept feeding it pennies when I was like 10. Yeah, that was the, the THX remasters, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, oddly, I got way more nerdier as an adult as opposed to calming down. Because I, I started going to Muse Comics uh, in Missoula all the freaking time. And at one point, the original owner threatened to charge me rent when I was in high school. <laughs> um I was at the library so much that back home in Superior that they put me to work, and I bet there's still books there that like <laughs> I helped like re-put the bindings on and stuff. But then like a job came up in high school, and I tried to apply as like a high school job, and I was still too young for a government position. <laughs> I actually think I still have a library book from when I was like 15, and at this point, it's been 16 years, and I'm just way too embarrassed to bring it back oh yeah i'm i think i might have one of those too <laughs> <laughs> uh probably what's going to be my my biggest point of nerdery is a a game i play called belagarth medieval combat society i am one of those people who goes and hits people or hits other nerds with sticks in the park I started playing when I was like 15 years old and I was like, yeah, this will be fun for a year or two. And now it's 16 years later and I am Sir Theadric Thumbs, Knight of the Dread Gate and have, I don't even know quite how to describe it. I just, uh, that's the nerd that most people go, oh. Yeah, I was going to, that out nerds me. <laughs> Uh, we are, I guess, technically a LARP, but we're a LARP that decided that storytelling was going to be way too much effort, and we hang out, wear funny clothes, hit each other with sticks in groups of like hey. 700 people sometimes, and then go and drink. This it's is amazing. It's way cooler than like, <laughs> and I don't say this to get down on people, but... That's still way cooler than, like, a vampire in the masquerade. Oh, my God. In high school, there was... Did you? (laughs) I didn't, but I almost did because I was so desperate for, like, nerd stuff to do. Mm -hmm. There was a vampire the masquerade LARP at the university, and this would have been, like, 2003, so, like, Underworld. Oh, Uh, Like, you know, the Matrix was style was still, like, the hottest thing you could do. So it was leather vampires. Yeah, leather daddy (laughs) vampires. And from what I understood, they fed off people not playing the game. Like, okay. So, uh, and I, I wasn't sure what it was, but it was basically like... 2003, you said? Ish. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing flyers up for it on campus when I was there as a member of the Superior Model United Nations team. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, oh, I never did not Model UN, so you got me on that one. But... Um, Oh, yeah, three years. I I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this nerd thing. And then they described it, and I was like, oh, I've got a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, three years MUN. I repped uh, Djibouti. I... Paraguay. 
Paraguay, I know. And Vietnam. Vietnam, I obviously know. Djibouti was the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then I guess uh, I grew up watching, as I said, Star Trek was always around. Star Wars was around really early. Uh, I watched Classic Who as a little kid, but didn't realize it until years later when I bought a DVD of Old Who and was like, wait a sec, I've seen this before. <laughs> uh, and then I had the first season of Red Dwarf on VHS, and again, I wore those tapes out. Like, I I could quote them backwards and forwards. So good. Oh my. I want to eat your little fishy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so I guess to kind of continue the thing, what would you put as your favorite franchise? Like, what's, oh. push comes to shove, what's the nerd thing you go to? That I go to? Yeah. Push comes to shove? So my, my go-to go-to is mm-hmm. part of a franchise, but I don't know if I would consider that my go-to franchise. All right, hit me, though. So my go-to go-to is Soulforge, because I love Raceland. And it's like the the Margaret Weiss prequel to the main Dragonland story where you find out uh, where it's the story of Raceland actually taking his test in the Tower of... Okay. Uh, the true test and not because there was a reference to a different test in one of the tales that was then deemed non-canonical thanks to the fact that Margaret Weiss was the one that wrote Soulforge. But... Oh, talk nerdy too. <laughs> And so, I mean, that's part of a franchise, but I wouldn't say that's my go-to franchise. Mm-hmm. Go-to franchise. Ooh, that's tough. Do you do you have one while I'm thinking? Uh, probably, probably my favorite franchise of all time is Star Trek because I love the the feel of it. It is not always the best-looking science fiction. It is not always the best-acted science fiction, but it is a uh, franchise that believes in its own message. And it is a message that is, especially with like Next Gen, which is probably my favorite of them, that you don't always have to shoot the next guy. Like it, it is speculative fiction in the greatest way that there's actually hope in the universe. Uh, but the nerd thing that I am like best known for, the kind of like professional at, would be comic books. Uh, I accidentally subjected a guy in the cheese department today to a mini lecture on how the comic book is the ultimate form of uh, artistic expression with the combination of uh, visual and storytelling properties. Yeah. I get nerd. Uh, yeah, so... Ooh, this is hard. So ta- so go-to franchise, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is really tough because one has a little bit more nostalgic value. But another one I think has had more impact on probably like my life for the past ten ish years, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't necessarily intend to go the other side of the aisle. Hit but me. the nostalgia one's going to be Star Wars. Oh, of course. Uh, mm. I like I said, there's not a time I don't remember not knowing a Star Wars. I have made Mandalorian armor multiple times. I am not in a person who is going to get into the Star Wars versus Star Trek fight. Like that is. Oh, yay, good things. And there's there's just so many different ways over the years that I've been able to just fall back into that universe, whether it's through the games or the comics or the movies or just, you know, even just reading, like, the source books for the old, like, uh, pen and paper. I had uh, one of the first books I had as a kid was the 
Star Wars Essential Guide to Vehicles and Vessels. And it was... Most of the nerd stuff I got was because someone else gave them away because they were falling Mm -hmm. apart. So it was so beat up by the time I got it that it was held together by a rubber band. And I, like, as perfectly as I could, preserved every single page of that. And I could tell you everything. But otherwise, like, I mean, like I said, I have have Sandman tattooed on me. Yeah, that's gonna... (laughs) Sandman's a a big, like, the past ten-ish years... That's that's definitely been sort of a go-to. Sandman's one of the weird like marks on my comic book stuff that I've never finished it. Mm. Like, I read more comic books in a week than most people will read in a year, and somehow that one has just kind of been an amorphous side. Thing. I haven't picked up any of the new stuff. Um, I've heard mixed reviews. Uh, I there was one I really wanted to try that Neil Gaiman himself was like, "No, if you're going to read one of these books, this read is this the one." one. Uh, I have no idea what it is. I did zero preparation before this episode. It's okay, me too. We're winging this, <laughs> uh, which is why I'm still like coming up with like bona fides. But I've nah, read... I, I, I think we've covered. You've got plenty of bona fides here. I know, sir. I know, but it's still fun to try to think of. <laughs> also, is it really pronounced bona fides? I, I, have I, I have no idea. I heard it pronounced like that once, and I have a lot of fun saying it like oh, that. Oh, I have so many words that I read instead of heard, and yeah. I mean, that's closer to, to what the actual pronunciation would be, but I mean, bona fide is bona fide, accepted. Bona fides. Bona fides is way funner. I'm going to say that. It would be more the accepted English, but um, I have, oh, I mean, you know I love vertigo in general too. Oh, yeah. so like i have read all 300 issues of hellblazer i've read probably like 90 percent of constantine's appearances in general uh i haven't i don't know if i could consider him even a favorite character because that's not a character you should necessarily even want no to it, it's not but... about liking constantine it's <laughs> no, like but i love the stories i don't know something about him drew me into him and that Poor tortured man. <laughs> I will I will never get tired of the fact that Constantine existed because Steve Bissett was like, Hey Alan Moore, I wanna draw Sting. Sting's really popular, and he's like, Okay, well, here's Angry Sorcerer Sting, and he became the biggest hit DC had for like ten years. Uh but then especially I guess in recent years though, my my main if you wanted to call it a specialty would be I love the fact that everything's getting adapted, and I just try to keep up on all that. You're who I go to for TV stuff. I'm the comic guy, you're the TV guy. That's kind of why we figured this would work in the first place. Right, so let's kind of... I think that's also a good segue. So we're in a... We're not technically in a lull. Things are going on. (laughs) But part of the reason we decided to record this now is because we are in a spot where there's a little bit of a break as far as the two big things that have been driving pop culture, Mm -hmm. which is once again, Marvel vs. DC. Oh, this question. I, we don't need to go Marvel vs. DC, but I think now is at least a good time to look back. Like, what do you think each has been doing? Well, and going forward, what we know of going forward, what do you expect? Uh, first things first to kind of answer it is uh, 
I, I hate the question because I love both of them, and people make it a very like either or. I'm like, but no, but they're so good. <laughs> I actively, but but if you look at my comic book collection, I probably have to side with Marvel because the amount of Spider Man and X Men I have super super push the balance. Like, mm-hmm. um, God, what are they doing well? Uh, I mean, or or like any highlights? Well, let's start with Marvel. Let's make it easy. Let's start with Marvel. Well, because the biggest Marvel news to come out recently is probably that Kevin Feige, the guy who's been running the Marvel movies for 10, 12 years at this point, uh, just took over as chief creative officer at Marvel. So he's running the comic books now, too. Mm-hmm. And I am super curious slash nervous about what that means. All reports are, is from everything I've read and heard from other people doing interviews, is that the reason they've been on track is because he's a giant nerd. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, I am not doubting that Kevin Feige is a giant nerd. You get yeah. uh, The fact that there's now a third Ant-Man movie being predicted is kind <laughs> of all the proof you need. Uh, I, I guess my concern about it is I don't want the Marvel comics to just become the Marvel movies in comic form. Oh, I want them I to be Marvel. But at the same time, the current comic book market can't maintain. I don't even follow that closely anymore. I'll pick up books, but like, I'm trying to remember the last event comic I actually read. Right. And just, it, it gets exhausting. I, I can't keep up with... I kept up on a little bit events. of the latest Secret Wars, which was a few years ago now, but... Um, I've collected a bit of that afterwards, uh, and I've been meaning to pick it up because Jonathan Hickman is not my favorite writer, but he is endlessly reliable. It will always be interesting, and it will always be kind of deep, uh, and the characters will always be kind of cold and a little wooden, but there's oh. so much good plot going on that I'll forgive it. Like Hickman did one of my favorite comics of the past like five years. And what's that? East of West. I have not read it yet weird crazy awesome but touches on everything i love so i've got what's that other one he did uh the he did like a one called manhattan project or something like that that i've been really wanting i heard such good things about it Hmm. all right but maybe we let's boil it down even more okay because i feel like as we go forward with the podcast most of the news from week to week mm-hmm. tends to be more on like the entertainment side. It's going to be TV, way more TV side. than it is, yeah. TV and movie side. So, movie wise, movie and TV wise, mm-hmm. because we have to be able to give DC some points. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Past, basically, let's just start at basically like when Marvel's phase one started. Okay, so about what's like, yeah, what's like the highlights for you? What do you think? The best superhero movie I've ever seen is Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. I will just drop it there. I have watched that movie. <laughs> uh, my fiance, we finished watching it, and I was just said, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. That is Sony, though. True. And it's the one thing Sony has done well. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> 
but my fiance looks over and she goes, what'd you think of it, honey? And I looked at her and I'm just, I'm going to make you watch this movie so many goddamn times. Uh, what number do you think you're up to? Because oh, I think I'm God, at least I... at 11 now. Which is funny because it took me months to get you to watch this movie. It's true. <laughs> uh, I I got to be close up to 20. But I do have a habit of when I'm working on art projects, just mm. putting on something that I've seen a bunch so I can be entertained and still have that like good energy going forward right. without having to pay attention to every second of it. I do um, the same thing with the in-betweeners. <laughs> um. Uh, but okay. Best things, uh, guardians of the galaxy movies are probably my favorite Marvel movies. Um, I haven't watched the last several because it turns out that if you wait too long to watch a Marvel movie and then the next one comes out and the next one comes out, especially when they're like the Avengers ones, the big, the big tentpole ones, Mm -hmm. it gets kind of overwhelming to try and catch up. Uh, I did see captain Marvel before that. It was, I don't know, probably black Panther, uh, which I thought. Black Panther was one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Uh, but Guardians was probably, I think, the high point that Marvel's has done, Guardians and Guardians 2, because it is the perfect blend of Star Wars and superhero. Nice. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Low parts. Mm, for Marvel? Marvel, Marvel side. Uh, I cannot get into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I so. tried. Um, I am told that Inhumans was not yeah Inhumans was ridiculously bad. Uh, I was told it was worse than Iron Fist, and I decided that I was good. Uh, Did you finish Iron Fist? Because season I watched two the was first good. season. I heard the second season was way better, but uh, this this winter is going to be my catch up time. I need to finish Luke Cage. I need to finish Daredevil. I need to finish all of those. Um, I watched Jessica Jones season two, but I think that's the only post Defenders one that I watched of those. Okay. And then I haven't watched any of the Punisher, and I don't really plan to. I am not a Punisher fan. First, I'm told it's great, and I'm really glad it's good. I am definitely not someone that's like, I don't like it, so it's bad. But I am not the biggest fan of guns. I'm not against owning guns, but uh, I, I have never been one to glorify them. And the Punisher as a character has always been kind of, let's shoot everything we can see. His superpower is he can shoot things. Yeah. So it's never super clicked. Although I did recently read... Fuck, what was it? Uh, I read something. Uh, Contest of Champions that had a character I didn't know exist that was the British Punisher. And it's... There's a British Punisher? Yeah. It's uh, a black guy with uh, like kind of tweed cap and his Punisher symbol is more like a pirate. Like oh, okay. Jolly Roger. And they just went around calling him Pirate Punisher for the entire time. And it, and the story was that he was, at least in Contest of Champions, that he had gotten tired of killing people. So he was figuring out how do you be a Punisher or how do you how do you fight crime when you've been fighting crime Punisher style when you're not willing to shoot people anymore. Mm. It was way better than that makes it sound. But, like... When the most interesting thing about Punisher is a Punisher that uses rubber bullets, and he is not, I am not the target audience. Let's just say it that way. But yeah, what about you? What would you put high point, low point, Marvel? Marvel side. Oh, high points. High points going to be like Daredevil season one. Oh, so good. And Punisher season one, since we were just talking about Punisher. No, that's great. See, uh, this is two. Two people, two different sides of things. Uh, Punisher season one, 
I've I've always liked the Punisher just because like mid nineties. Oh yeah, like, he was in everything. He was in everything, and the like the logo is so cool. Like growing up as a kid, that's true. Like, the logo is super sweet. And so it's just like oh, and like he's always been sort of at the. Mm-hmm. And I had read a few, a little bit of Punisher here and there, uh, enough to realize when I watched uh, the Netflix Punisher season one that when? that is the most human empathetic version of the Punisher that you can do while still having it be recognizable as the oh, character. Oh yeah. Uh, have you ever read uh, what was it? Uh, Welcome back, Frank. It was. Uh, Garth Ennis and, and Steve, Steve Dillon, Dillon, the preacher Dillon, guys. I started reading that one. I haven't read it. However, uh, the Ennis run, the Ennis run of Punisher that he didn't do with Steve Dillon, mm-hmm. I read all of that. Oh, okay. I <laughs> Welcome back, Frank is probably the only Punisher run that I honestly enjoyed. And even though I wasn't super into it, I was like, wow, this is. If you are going to do him, if you're going to make Punisher comics, this is how to do it. Uh, and I read an interview with Ennis who talked about it. He's like, man, the Punisher is not a hero. So if you try to write him that way, he is not going to work. No. But if you write uh, a kind of crazy murderer who does it with a focus, then it's going to go great. That's He does it really well. Like I've read a lot of Ennis Punisher, just <laughs> not the one he did with Steve Dillon. Um, actually, and that's that... That season inspired me to do that. I was like, I need to know more Punisher. <laughs> I must learn. And so, yeah. Um, and then movie side, because that's TV side. Yeah. Uh, movie side. I mean, the first Iron Man still, it's almost a perfect movie. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it just recently and I hadn't seen it in several years. And I kind of forgot how good it was. Yeah. But... I don't know. I think you mentioned Guardians. Guardians was a great surprise for me because mm. that was one of those ones where I'm like going into it. I had the barest knowledge of the Guardians, like to know they're not using the original lineup. Oh, that yeah. Sort of thing. Uh, and I was like, how is this going to work? And then it was a big surprise. Well, and I'm a horror for quirky. So like those were made for me. Uh, and I came out of it saying almost the same way you described it. I was like, oh, this would be this generation Star Wars if it wasn't for the fact that it was so reliant on established pop culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think a weird high point for me was just the fact that they made Doctor Strange work. Yeah, I was not... I wasn't... I mean, it wasn't the best Marvel movie, but it was highly enjoyable. Uh and I had so little confidence in that movie going in, just because, I mean, Doctor Strange is just bizarre. The reason it got popular was uh, college kids in the 60s liked taking mushrooms and reading it. And, and that movie channeled that. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know. That one, Black Panther was huge. That's probably the one. It's so pretty. I just, I know I've already said that, but it's so pretty. I've watched I've watched that one more than almost any of the others I think at this point that and Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok if we're talking Marvel like not Marvel Cinematic Universe not just Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok has probably got to be my favorite. Uh, it's again it was another one that I wasn't super confident in. The first two Thor movies were pretty but forgettable. Uh and then they kind that, of did Eccleston dirty a little bit. Oh, God. Poor 
Chris Eccleston, who had played Doctor Who, or played the Doctor in Doctor, Doctor Who. I just made a Whovian cry with that sentence. It's okay. Uh, We're going to fuck it up at some great, point again, too. <laughs> great actor, and was just so covered in makeup. And I don't even remember if he spoke in that movie. Like, there was just... Well, not just covered in makeup, but not covered in the right makeup. That didn't even look like Malekith. Yeah, he looked like a weird fetish bondage baby. Yeah. Um, which, okay, I'm going to also bring that up as like one of my low points. <laughs> what, Thor 2? No, Eccle- well, yeah, uh, Thor Ec- 2. But Eccleston, <laughs> I didn't mind Thor 2 in general. It was pretty, but forgettable. But yeah, mostly just forgettable. But like them doing Eccleston dirty like that's a low point. Um, uh, a- the first three quarters of the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a giant it's low point. It's unwatchable. I stuck through to get uh, Nick Fury in it, and then I finished that, and I was like, well, that was fun to watch the Nick Fury episodes. I'm good. Although yeah. I'm, I, am, I know it gets way better. Uh, when Civil War happens, it gets better. Yeah. Um, and then I, I still didn't... It wasn't good enough for me to keep with it, though. Like, I still fell off, like, end of season two. Yeah. I still... I intend to finish it at some point, but... God, I have so many. I'll finish it some days. Especially because uh, they brought in Robbie Reyes ghost rider yeah i love oh, they recently ghost rider they yeah, were doing a robbie reyes and it got canceled and oh that, that but hellstrom is still going through there's no justice in this world uh okay but movie wise what would you put as a low point for marvel i personally i think i have to give it to avengers 2 yeah absolutely uh it was there was a good movie that wanted to come out of that that got so caught up in we have to prep phase two we have to prep the next bit or i guess phase three at that point uh we have to prep the next big things that they kind of forgot that they were making a movie the reason movies like the first iron man or captain america or the the good of marvel movies work is that they have this shared universe but they are making a movie first and then they are making a bigger part of the genre while it was more important in Avengers 2, I thought, the, for them to connect, connect and show all the big things, and then they kind of forgot to make a good movie at the same time. And did James Spader dirty? Oh, my God. I know it's not the most original statement on the internet, but a, way too many good actors have been underscored in Marvel villain roles that they didn't get to do much with. Oh, yep. Lee Pace? He was fun, at least. Like, yeah, he was not that... That that was not the deepest role he's ever played, but it's not like he did much worse in the, the Hobbit. That's true. That's true. Um, God. And then I understand it all from like what happened, and that it was going to be inevitable with the way things are rolling out business wise. But just canceling the Netflix shows right when they were like all really getting good. Oh my God! Yeah. Luke. Well, Punisher season two took a weird turn to the point where he wasn't really recognizable as the Punisher. Yeah, but that's... You get time to fix it, I guess. I need to finish him up. Uh, Daredevil Season 2 was choppy. Like, parts of it were amazing, and then Electra came on the screen, and I got super mad. 3 is so good. Ah, that, yeah... They do, you, they do a version of Born Again. I, I can't actually judge you for taking so long to watch Spider-Verse, because you've been bugging me to watch Daredevil Season 3 for, like, a year now. It's maybe it's I, I'd still say overall it's not as good as season one because season one was something super special mm-hmm. the way they nailed it and he is still out of the suit way too often in season three, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it makes a lot more sense and it's uh, way better than season two was. 
Um, God, I, I will admit that I still haven't watched season three of Jessica Jones, so I guess I don't know if that one was necessarily uh, a bad thing if they canceled it or not. But I don't know. Season one and two were both real good of that one. I wasn't um, as impressed with season two, but season one was... Yeah, season two was a little more choppy, but I definitely... It, I didn't enjoy, or I didn't, I lost track of that. I, I definitely enjoyed watching the whole thing. Uh, but Iron Fist started to get so good by the end of season two. Well, yeah, they gave the Iron Fist to the actually interesting character. and not. But they also started to set up some real fun things from like, uh, even though they had already used parts of it in season one and really butchered it, they started setting up some other of the fun things from the Seven Capital Cities of Heaven storyline. Ooh, Brubaker Infraction. That's actually where I discovered Iron Fist. Um, okay, but we're getting a little off track again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about DC? What's their What's their strong points? What's their weak points? Uh, so movie, far? Movie, TV-wise, yeah. <laughs> so, strong points so far has been they've been ruling TV. Yeah, I mean, that's been true for... Ever. Which is weird. When I was thinking about this whole Marvel and DC mm-hmm. and thinking of it, because they're they are currently basically the meta of the of the pop culture universe. Oh yeah, they are running things. Whenever they drop something, it makes all the money. Even if they don't think it's going to make all the money, like Joker. I haven't seen it yet. It. I, I was super nervous about it, but you're telling me it's pretty good. It's it's worth watching once. Okay. I. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so oh dc yeah so high point has been so anyway when i was thinking about this whole marvel versus dc thing i think it's kind of funny because right now everyone sort of is on board with the fact that marvel's just been killing it for the past 10 years mm-hmm. which they have been but growing up it was weird thinking about the fact that like dc was the only ones that had successful movies for like the first 30 years of that rivalry oh like, yeah i mean more marvel before <laughs> spider-man movies came out marvel had what the and that was the still dolph, sony yeah but uh, yeah but they had what the the dolph lundgren punisher. punisher like and that was about it the uh, roger corman fantastic four <laughs> that that never even got I released know. that doesn't count it counts. Uh, I, I guess, got released to my heart. <laughs> I I guess they had um, the, made the Incredible for, Hulk from the 70s. I was about to say the made-for-TV movie Incredible Hulk. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Lou Ferrigno is still doing Hulk stuff, so, like, obviously that worked out on some level. Uh, so, like, I, I mean, like, I love Legends of Tomorrow. It's been one of the most enjoyable things on TV, period, for the past three years. Mm. Though you can skip the first season. (laughs) Uh, That's my plan when I try it out. Because I keep being like, yeah, oh, God. Hawkgirl and Hawkman were so infuriating. Yeah. And I like Hawkgirl and Hawkman, but not those ones. No, no. Um, A lot of people had a problem with Vandal Savage in that season. I actually kind of liked him, but... I was too busy hating Hawkman and Hawkgirl to have a significant opinion. He was a little obnoxious, but, like had potential uh likewise i kind of feel like black lightning might be one of the better you've been television you've been talking about black lightning forever um especially that first season is super strong great just great casting casting all around and it's really funny the guy they have playing uh tobias whale Mm -hmm. is the voice for tombstone in in, in Spider-Verse? Spider-verse. Oh, perfect. 
He, he plays pasty white crime lords a lot. That's amazing. Well, they found an actual <laughs> pasty albino, white crime lord. Well, like, they found an actual albino black man oh, to my. play albino black men. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is something you don't think that too many people would go out of the way to do, but apparently they've done it a couple times now. So awesome. Good on them. First off, because that's not an easy role to fill. I would imagine. Oh yeah, that, that's a very specific casting call. Um. I mean, weak side, like... Their attempts at a cinematic universe? Basically, like... The weakest part is they felt like from the get-go, they had to make a universe. Yeah, uh, I remember talking about this when it came out, and I don't really feel like just getting too into bashing anything. Obviously, a lot of people have issues with most of these movies. It's nothing new. But uh, what Marvel did that was so clever was they did their own movies, and then they combined, starting from a big team-up movie, which I could see the appeal. Like, it it was the moneymaker. Avengers made so much more than the other ones did. But you didn't need to cram that much into Avengers because you already had all of the character building in previous ones. Starting with a team was um, brave. <laughs> oh, not just, but it wasn't just starting with a team. Like they started with a lot of announcements that none of them came to pass. Oh uh, yeah, I think Wonder Woman was about oh, Wonder well, Woman Wonder and Aquaman. Woman. Yeah, they that was it. Uh, Supposedly, we're still getting Flash, right? You know, the guy who played Flash is very into it, and everyone else is like, sure. Okay, Ezra. I ended up liking him as Flash a lot more. Like, that's a high point. Like, I didn't think I would like Ezra Miller after being so in love with Grant Gustin as Flash. And Ezra Miller won me over. For the most part, I don't think their casting has been bad. I I know some people had issues with Henry Cavill. I thought he was... I think he's fine. Yeah, he was a perfectly enjoyable Superman. He's not my top, but that's probably Superman the Animated Series Superman anyways. Right. Uh... Uh, Batfleck was not bad. I thought it was really good casting, and he it turned great out being in the costume. It turned out being the thing that everybody was worried about going into that movie was the thing people came out being like, "Oh no, I think Batman probably was the best part of that movie." <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, so many people being like, "What? What Batfleck? You're going to be okay with Batfleck?" And I'm like, "Well, I remember freaking Heath Ledger Joker bomb in when... Phantoms, yo." <laughs> When they first announced Heath Ledger Joker, everyone's like, "Oh my God, the the guy from Ten Things I Hate the, About Yeah, you. Ten Things I Hate About You guy is gonna be is gonna be Joker. You really think that's gonna work?" And by the time the movie came out, I remember people being like, "This is never gonna be topped again." Uh, Aquaman was a huge high point for me. I have not seen it. It was. I, I want to. It is DC's Thor Ragnarok. Really? It that is, is high I would praise. not say it's as good as Thor Ragnarok. Okay, that's that's fair. Don't set me up for failure here. I would not say it's that good, but it's their, it's them being like, oh, we can have fun. And we can just throw everything in this movie because we don't know if we're going to get another one. I'm super curious to see Wonder Woman 19... What is it? 1984? Or 1984. Uh, because all of their ads have reminded me of that like crazy Thor Ragnarok feel. Right. Uh, the question is, are they going to allow the director to have that crazy go for go for it feel, which is really what made Thor Ragnarok work? Um, God, and then they just, I don't know, I was, it seemed like I was going to say more about the TV side, too. Oh, the 
one of my high points of this past year in general was the Elseworlds crossover. Oh, yeah. The the crossovers tend to be pretty good. That's really what's going to get me back in, because I... I last enjoyed... I watched was Evil Emo Berry and Flash. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so And I kind of fell a little ways behind yeah, there. that uh... isn't that great. <laughs> the next season after that's better. Yeah. That's... Still not great, but better. <sighs> it... They suffer from how long the seasons run. That was something that Netflix... I mean, people gave Netflix shit for it, too, but only having 13 episodes is sometimes the way to go. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, 8 to 10 episodes might be the way to go, but... You know, that would work. Actually, what i probably list as the best uh, superhero TV that I've seen in a long time would be Amazon's The Tick. Oh, it was amazing. I did not know I needed Arthur's tragic backstory, and I absolutely needed Arthur's tragic backstory. It was so good. I... There's a part of me that feels like some higher up at Amazon didn't understand that you could have two shows making fun of superheroes at the same time, yeah, and the tick got dropped for, for the, the boys. boys. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you can kick that man in the shins, whoever you are. Um, I, I admittedly think part of what works for Tick is it didn't need to build this big shared universe, so it just got to exist in its own oh, weird... So fun. So fun gone too soon <laughs> why, why? Uh, um god that crossover on it so i liked i liked infinity war more than endgame i might have liked elseworlds as much as i liked endgame fair enough it was i heard such good things jaw dropping elseworlds was the evil characters. nazi one yeah no, no that no, was no, the no, previous no. one that, that was, was crisis, crisis on, on earth Wars. uh elseworlds was Oh, right, they had uh, old Flash back in his old Flash costume, and they had Batwoman appeared in that one, mm-hmm. and yep, that's the one that I really have been wanting to watch. They brought in everybody except for the Legends, and then this year with Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, final season of Arrow is just like, we give up, we're just putting the whole everybody. season to this, we don't have time. Oh, man. Anyway, so actually, that's good, because now, so that's that's what we liked in the past what with what we know about going forward what do you see coming from marvel what do you see coming from dc and i mean we know what has been announced Mm -hmm. but like what do you think especially marvel side like what is this next phase even building towards because like phase one through three we knew what they were building towards my theory is the next big one's going to be Secret Invasion. I know Far From Home ended with some scroll infiltration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually liked... Did, did you ever read Secret Invasion, the actual I comic book? I didn't read Secret Invasion. It is peak Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, there were way too many crossovers, but the the main story itself was a pretty enjoyable action flick. Um the and I, I'm looking forward to seeing some actually villainous scrolls. The only one of the only weaknesses I gave Captain Marvel is that in the original Kree Scroll War, they were both sides were villains. There there was no good guy in the Kree Scroll War, and these the adventures were stuck in between. So making the scrolls the heroes, while a fun plot twist for the movie, wasn't super true. Mm-hmm. And I try not to get too hung up to like, this is not true to the comic, but that one 
stuck in my craw a little bit. Uh, but I, I think Secret Wars is going to be a big thing. Um, I'm super curious to see Falcap, uh, Captain America and Bucky, or mm-hmm. Bucky and the Falcon, or whatever. Uh, yeah, what is it? Is Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's it. Which they should just call it Captain America and Winter Soldier since he's now Cap. But I get it. I think they mentioned that in interviews because it's like it's kind of the point of the show is him becoming Cap. Becoming okay, Cap. I'll give them that. Um, I am real curious about She Hulk and Miss Marvel coming up. The I've got mixed feelings about Disney Plus. I'm going to end up watching a lot of it. I'm sure. I've already pre-ordered three years. <laughs> That's not a surprise to me. And The Mandalorian is really what's yep. going to push me over. Uh, <laughs> God, it is so pretty looking. Um, but since I want more female characters, and uh, one of my favorite short comic book runs of the last, I don't know, five, ten years was Charles Sewell wrote a She-Hulk series that really... Lo- Charles Sewell was a lawyer while writing She-Hulk, so he got oh. to... It got to actually be a bit of a law drama on top of Shulky, which was a lot of fun. Like, I, I thought it was extremely well written. And then Miss Marvel is the best thing Marvel's probably created in the last ten years. Like, it is the closest successor that we've gotten to Peter Parker since... God, I can't even think of what. <laughs> um, how, so... You know, so here's the thing that I'm wondering, Secret Invasion would be neat, and you're right, they set up a bunch of stuff already with what they've laid out. Mm -hmm. But I'm also wondering, because we know on the business side, they acquired the Fox rights. Avengers vs. X-Men? So how do we get in the X-Men, how do we get in the Fantastic Four? Because I still think I think the easiest way to do this would be to work towards some way of doing secret wars. I am not a proponent of the secret wars approach. Um, I think it's. I just think it'd be the easiest. I'm not sure if it'd be the best way of doing it. I think something like secret wars, where all of the multiverse explodes and things get mixed together, and it creates a great comic. But it's the kind of comic that gets really in the weeds of the the detail it requires a ton of exposition and i think for a movie that gets too heavy i think with fantastic well, they are bringing in the eternals so talking about getting in the that's weeds. getting in the weeds but that's not like <laughs> let's go into a 10 page discussion about the nature of the multiverse to do it that's this is true. like look at these weird guys made by space gods let's smoke some weed and enjoy this and i'm like yeah buddy um i think with the thing with fantastic four would be maybe do another prequel have you could set it as more of a period piece uh which could be kind of fun actually would be like set it up so they they launch in the 60s and this would be a huge change but it would be a lot of fun for a movie have something happen so they end up being in like stasis or in space for whatever, 50 years, and come back in the modern day. So they can still kind of be the first superheroes, but put them in a modern setting, and you could have that kind of old-school Silver Age feel to them in the modern MCU, which would be kind of interesting. I'm not saying they should do it, but it would be kind of fun. That'd be fun. Uh, But instead of explain how these characters exist now, just introduce them. Just, oh, look, 
mutants are kind of a thing mutants. that we didn't really talk about before. They, they're they just now starting to blossom. Hey, turns out that Scarlet Witch is a mutant. We don't have to overthink this. Uh, they have said Scarlet Witch is going to play a big role in the new Doctor Strange. Yeah, which... And the multiverse sign of Sign me up. That sounds so interesting to me. Multiverse of Madness. With the name like Multiverse, it'd be an easy way to, to jump into it. I just... I uh, When I have to sit down and explain things too heavily to my parents, that's when I'm like, okay, this is where we're going to start losing people. Right. Just, just make a good movie and worry about how it's going to fit in afterwards. High point of Deadpool 2, they don't explain Cable. <laughs> <laughs> He's an angry time traveler with a metal arm. Perfect. Let's roll with this. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm listening to old Ursula K. Le Guin science fiction novels and stuff, and I was thinking about this, where there's so many questions they have. Oh, well, how are you going to explain this world? We didn't used to give a shit about explaining the world of sci-fi. We just tossed you in, and you figured it out as you went along. Conan the Barbarian did not give a crap about understanding the hyperborean age they i mean they wrote an essay about it later but the first story was literally just conan is a king he's been doing adventures for years fight a goat demon as you do and it's great as you do but uh so i am not super worried about how are they going to explain it just just make the movie it's not hard to make it work um <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly just excited because... So, Multiverse of Madness is definitely a Lovecraft reference. I'm a big HPL fan. Well, Minus they talked racism. about... Oh, God, he's so racist. I mean, I I read Robert E. Howard, so I can't really judge. Robert E. Howard tried. They were pen pals. Yeah. Robert E. Howard really tried, and you can tell that he's, like, trying to, to not be super racist, but he is also a man from the Texas oil fields in the 1930s. And the way that he would talk about the blacks makes me be like, I'm so glad that I'm listening to this on a headphone instead of somewhere mm. where other people can hear. Um, uh, and, I mean, we're, I'm just super excited because Mahershala is Blade. Come on. I'm sorry, what? Mahershala Ali is Blade is coming Oh, up. yeah. Oh, my God. That is... Which we're getting Blade. We got... It's not going to be connected because it's going to be on Hulu due to their stake in that. But we're getting that Hellstrom show. Uh, are we just gearing up for some Midnight Suns? <laughs> I mean, Ghost Rider, Hellstrom, Blade. Yeah, man, that's that's three quarters of the Midnight Suns right there. Toss in the Weird Strange doppelganger and you're set. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is Are people ready for Midnight Suns to be... <laughs> Do people know what Midnight Suns is? No. 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 It, it'd be it just like the when they busted out Guardians name. of the Galaxy, though. Midnight Suns is the greatest name for a like over-the-top, edgies 90s crossover book, and I have always wanted to read it because of that. Turns out, it's a bitch to find in 2019. That's, yeah, fair. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so going forward, DC side. God, okay. I... I'm not even looking that closely on what DC's doing with their movies. Uh, Wonder Woman 2. I enjoyed Wonder Woman 1 quite a bit. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, they're still working on the Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing Black, Black Adam. Adam. He's so loyal to the role that I'm willing to guess that it will be a fun movie if it ever actually comes out. 
Um, and now that Shazam's managed, Black Adam's going to be the like easier one. I would have personally introduced him in Shazam 2 and then spun out to a Black Adam movie. But whatever works. Yeah. But the Black Adams deal's been around before they actually even cast Shazam to begin with. Scorpion so. King in, as like in DC Universe, sure. Like, let's do this. Um, how much? So I think the big question for DC right now is how much do you think they try to keep the universe going forward, especially with the the success of Joker. Uh, it is entirely going to depend on how James Gunn's The Suicide Squad and Aquaman 2 and Wonder Woman 2 do. Like, if they can make something that kind of works, because it it seems... At first they were like, Suicide Squad's a reboot. It's not a reboot. It's a reboot. It's not a reboot. It, it's, it, I'm getting the opinion that it's kind of like how When Incredible Hulk came out. It didn't directly counter anything that happened in Ang Lee's Hulk. They but just you didn't just prefer really you talk about, about it. it. Like, yeah, we're, we're not saying it's a remake, but it's we're not saying it's not a remake at the same time. Um, and if they can start, if they can make a couple of enjoyable movies and then start to do something interesting from there, uh, Matt Reeves' Batman will also have a whole lot to do with that. Uh, if they can make a few decent movies in their kind of crumbled remains of their original planned universe, it could go right. If any of those flop, they might just start making their art house variation movies, which is cool. I am all about do interesting things with these IPs. Uh, did you see some of these? The, you brought up the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn. Did you see some of the the people they're using, some of the characters they're using. I know they have King Shark, and I am sold right there because King Shark is a shark. Uh, let me see if I can find these again. Actually, King uh, Shark is a street shark, and man, those were toys that I loved ooh, as a kid. So I I'm so old. And the cartoon. Oh no, the cartoon was garbage. But oh, I watched the cartoons. So I I did too. That's how and I the know Mighty it was Ducks garbage. cartoon. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I watched Beast Wars, so I don't actually get to judge people on watching bad cartoons that are amazing. Uh, uh, let me see. I can always edit out some of this too. Let me see if I can just find it real quick because you need to hear some of these characters. Uh... Oh, I'm not finding the same list I was before, but uh, Polka Dot Man for sure because David Delsmachin is playing him. Polka Dot Man. Wow, that's even... Like, he's gonna die. Like, that's even worse than Rainbow Raider. Uh, a gender-flipped rat catcher. Okay. The original rat catcher was way more interesting in idea than actual expression. So, yeah, bring it on. Oh, uh, and I... Th- see, I can't find... I found a better list than the one I'm looking at right now the other day. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I remember... And this one was more rumored than the other. Those two have been confirmed. Yeah. The one that was more rumored is that... Nathan Fillion is going to be Arm Fall Off Boy. Oh boy. They are going for like the Legion of Substitute Heroes here. They're the weirdest of the weird. Uh, and I will watch every second of it. So bring it on. Let James Gunn do the weird. Let James, James Gunn, Gunn kill these D list characters that nobody cares about. That's the entire point of Suicide Squad. Uh, 
Although in the original comics, which I didn't know until I uh, read them like a year ago, is it didn't kill them. It just blew up their arm. It was like stuck oh. around their wrist. And they were like, well... Uh, <laughs> now you, you don't have an arm. You failed and you're missing an arm. Have fun now. Go back to jail. Like it, it Which is almost darker in a bizarre way. We're just going to maim you and toss you back into Gen Pop. Good luck. Uh, I'm going to try to find just a couple more. Gotta love. Let's see if I stood yet. Dang it. Okay, whatever. Okay, so if you if oh. you made a Suicide Squad, if you got to write like a, a three or four issue run of the book, who would be your Suicide Squad? Well, I know one that's getting killed. Yeah. Funland. Funland? Um, he was the... Um, he's not really... A <laughs> so I'm only counting him as a supervillain because he comes back in a Batman run later oh. on. <laughs> but he is from the Neil Gaiman Sandman run where uh, they go to the serial killer convention and he's the serial killer preying on kids in the Disneyland knockoff. Oh, great. Yeah. Let's, let's have him get killed. That sounds amazing. Uh, I'm not sure though. Like, so I have to, honestly, I like the character. I like that he's been associated with the squad so much. It would have to be a suicide squad with bronze tiger. Bronze tiger's good. My for sure required one is Deadshot. Although okay. Deadshot and bronze tiger are good because they, mm are a nice little balance of like, here's the core squad that actually lives and here's everyone else that's probably going to kick it. Right. Um, um, it does not feel like Suicide Squad to me without Deadshot. It's just weird. Here's uh, So here's a weird one. I don't know if he's ever been made canon in the comics, but I would pull Louis the Lilac from the 1966 Batman series. Oh, I don't know that one. That's good. He's played by Merle, Milton Berle. Um... I mean, how how big of a squad am I trying to make? Yeah, it's up to you. I, uh, probably four or five people is what I would usually do. Right. I don't. Ooh, this is tough. I'm gonna have to think on a couple others. What I like with the squad is they a lot of times in the original series, uh, which is written by John Ostrander, who I just wanted to call out because he is one of the most dependable comic art writers I've ever read. Uh, he did Grimjack, which is just perfection. Um, We're getting Grimjack. <laughs> Uh, but he had a habit of tossing in unexpected characters who weren't necessarily villains, but were just there for whatever reason. And then Amanda Waller would like blackmail him into doing stuff. Uh, Shade, the changing man was a member for a little mm -hmm. while. And this is before the vertigo shade came out. Uh, uh, what's her name? Um, got similar powers to animal man. She's in legends. Uh, Oh, um, Oh my god, I watched all the legends and now of course I'm having a brain fart. Oh my god. I Vixen. Vixen, thank you. That was embarrassing. Uh Vixen was in for a while and dated fucking Bronze Tiger. Like I I, I love tossing in a character that you wouldn't expect. They they put in fucking Speedy when he was still Speedy. Mm. Uh for only an episode or two. Do you know Brother Power the Geek? No. Brother Power the Geek is a Joe Simon creation. Joe Simon being one of the creators of Captain America, one of the most important comic book creators ever made. Um, and Brother Power the Geek 
was his attempt to kick into hippie counterculture in the 60s. And he was like a living marionette or something like that. Oh. Uh, he appears in Sandman or one of the Neil Gaiman books very briefly. Uh, and it, it's just literally this strange doll come to life named Brother Power the Geek who exists in the DC Universe and Joe Simon declined to ever talk about again. They were like, let's have an interview about your career. And he's like, that's amazing. And they're like, no, Brother Power. And he's like, nope. <laughs> we're just oh, okay I have another one just because I was always I was always mad about how this enemy actually met his end mm-hmm. and I would like to find some way to use him again so Suicide Squad's perfect uh, it's a bad guy named I think it would be Mako from Hellblazer he's a uh, he's a sorcerer himself he uses blood magic what always entertained me about it so he was like a somali child soldier grew up in like the worst conditions you're just going straight like early 90s vertigo for your entire run that i'm trying not i'm trying not to but i love this enemy i I love this villain so much because of how efficient i found his method of doing what he did to be Mm -hmm. because so somali child soldier whatever ended up learning magic uh, became a blood magician so he would get his power from like inflicting torture on people right and like causing pain and letting blood and all this so he would torture people by carving them with runes and he would specifically hunt down magi- other magicians and the runes that he was torturing them with and carving on them were ones that once he was done would bind their soul into their body and then he would kill them and eat them and get their power. Oh, that's great. That's terrifying. <laughs> All right. My final one, my mm-hmm. wild card, Mr. Zaz. Oh. Yeah. The Batman villain, the, his entire shtick is, I murder people, and then I fucking put a check mark on me. Like, one of the only times I've felt inspired enough to try to write is like half of a Batman script I have sitting on my computer somewhere where he's chasing Zaz. Like and then through you, Slaughter Swamp, you take Mister Zaz. Ooh, Slaughter Swamp. Okay, we might have to add in Solomon Grundy just because I Solomon was about to say Grundy. Solomon Grundy want pants too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I use that so often. No, I Grundy shows up. <laughs> Grundy is Grundy is one of my favorite DC villains, just because. Honestly, the the thing that made me fall in love with him is that Justice League episode. Where he ends up, they they make like a, a DC version of the Defenders, so it's like Aquaman and Doctor Fate and mm-hmm. Solomon Grundy, and they have to help help out Hawk Girl, and he befriends Hawk Girl and like dies to save her, and it's the most weirdly touching thing about the undead zombie Hulk. Trying. Okay, never mind. Um, oh, I almost had another one. There was somebody. It was right there. <laughs> this isn't working anymore. Uh, I don't have a chick yet. I need a chick. Do you know who Lady Vic is? I don't. Lady Vic is... Uh, Nightwing had a series in the 90s where he 
protected Bloodhaven. It's kind of really set the the Nightwing mythos as it's known now. Uh, and Lady Vic was this super rich British. Whatever. I'm going with Killer Frost anyway. Done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this was basically like aristocrat lady Craven the Hunter. So that's okay. that's probably who I would go with. But I have a surprisingly violent Suicide Squad for a guy that's like, I want the quirky, fun parts of comics. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the one that has a cannibal. That's fair. That's okay. All right. Um, uh, there's one other hype. I can't believe I didn't mention high point for, for DC, though. Back whenever we were talking about it 20 minutes oh, ago. Oh, we got so distracted. Doom Patrol. Yeah, you've been yelling at me to watch Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol ever. is one of my favorite things right now. It is, they, wow. Live my truth. Like I'm like you said, I dig all that Vertigo stuff. Woo. Well, Doom Patrol is fun because it's the the quirky stuff I love and the vertigo strangeness that you love all wrapped up into one thing. And they uh, somehow capture that. In the original Grant Morrison series, he talks about his, he, his writing strategy was to stay up all night, taking speed, and watching Czech Surrealist films and seeing what came out of that. Sounds about right. Um, Dude, they... Beard Hunter... Oh god, I know you love Beard Hunter. Flex. Flex, I will I will stand by Flex forever. Flex is great. It's I I can't wait for season two. Uh honestly the DC uh the DC universe that they launched, which whatever ends up happening to it, thanks to the fact that they're just gonna be a Warner streaming service. Well, that was an incredibly niche streaming service to try and set up, let's be fair. Uh but it's been awesome so far. Uh, Titans has been probably the weakest. Titans is a garbage heap that I couldn't stop watching. So, you know. I haven't started the second season yet. Although, I will admit, I'm kind of excited. I just... I, there's too much to watch. All my shows are starting to come yeah. back on. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of your... Um, um, but Doom Patrol... Uh, Swamp Thing was great, but then it had its own problems, which you can check out the Fried, the Fried Squirms episode, and we talk about it a little bit, too. But... <laughs> Uh, that ran into financial issues and it really sucks because they were doing a really good job, but Doom Patrol. Oh, and the latest season of Young Justice, which is possibly the best one yet. We are super going to do a Young Justice episode. That is, that, that was a comic that was very big to me growing up and that was possibly my favorite version of the DC universe that I have, like the, the cartoon that I have ever seen translated into a different format because it it did everything that I loved about the DC universe without getting too I keep using the phrase but down in the weeds of the the, the weird detail work. Mm -hmm. Um, but going forward for DC, I kind of hope. Like okay, so I saw Joker. Really glad I saw it once. Not sure how much I liked it, but I heard someone else describe it this way the other day. Watching it is fascinating. Not necessarily liking or anything, but it's rather fascinating to see because it's really beautifully done, and Joaquin does an amazing job. Well, I'm I'm not the biggest Joker fan, but like I'm I'm glad to see them trying new things. As much as I love the Marvel movies, there is only so long you can keep the same formula and have a set of movies work. Trying new things is why it works. X Men First Class is one of the best X Men movies because it wasn't trying to be what the previous trilogy had been right um ooh, first class was good it was so good 
So going, I don't know. Going forward, like, I think it, they'll they'll try to salvage the universe. I think if I mean, I think Suicide Squad's going to do great. James Gunn, I think, is going to kill. He's it. earned my trust. So I think they're going to end up trying to salvage it. I kind of hope they at least keep this little split of doing just things off to the side, because first it's first off it's not really something Marvel's doing. Mm-hmm. Um. So it lets them differentiate themselves a little bit. I also think that's the only way we're going to get some other really neat stories done um, that I think people want to see and would be big. I mean, from the business side, I think would just automatically be big successes. Like, screw it. Next Superman movie, do Red Sun. Didn't they just... No, they're doing a they uh, did animated kind... version. Oh, they did an animated. Uh, yeah. And they got oh god, what's his name? He's a great bad actor, great evil guy actor. Uh, uh, Lucius Malfoy from Harry Potter. Oh, is going. I'm pretty sure he's the one that's going to play Red Sun Superman. So bring that on. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of like Elseworlds and alternate universe tales anyway because I. A lot of the times in those stories, you get to see what actually matters about the character. Oh, yeah. And you change everything else around them. So I I think that's the only way we get to see some of that sort of thing happen. Uh, And then, you know, they also don't have to put in these weird sequences like Thor dreaming in the pool. (laughs) To make sure things get connected, you know what I mean? They have these chances to just be like, here's this story. Are you done with it? Cool. So Sweet. That we. was fun. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, not everything needs to be a sequel. And if they want to, they've already shown in their TV shows they can still connect everything to an extent, which seems like is going to be the plan with Crisis. Oh, yeah. Whether a direct connection or just a meta connection. Oh, my God. They're bringing back Tom Welling. I, I grew up watching Smallville because there was no other superhero TV out there. And I was like... 12 and we had just gotten enough tv that i got wb so it was i was living fancy back then mm-hmm. uh and i was the perfect trashy age for all the trashy ro- like teen romance that they put into it and i watched from the end of season one through season 10 religiously i have kind of chosen to remember it in like happy rose-colored glasses as opposed to actually watching it again especially mm-hmm. since the actress who played Chloe got arrested for being a runner Ooh. of a sex cult. Like, and I was like, oh no, you were my first crush. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I'm glad that never went anywhere. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I, w- I really want to see the weird stuff get done, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I feel like there. And, well, I mean, we're getting Sandman on Netflix. And it's going to be the most expensive TV show they've done. The only way you can do Sandman is a TV show. I mean, most versions I generally say adapt as a TV show of anything. But mm-hmm. there there was no way in hell they were ever going to make Sandman work as a two-hour movie. It, it's just not possible. No. No. Not, not in the way that everyone would be happy with anyway. Mm-hmm. I think you could do a version, but it would basically be like an issue of Sandman. Yeah. Yeah, no. You do like Dream of a Thousand Cats as a two-hour movie. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Uh, Or uh, uh, Men of Good Fortune or something. 
means we're going to get Men of Good Fortune. We're going to get a live-action Hop Gadling. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't... I think... I like where they're going. I hope they keep the split. Yeah. But I think they're on a course correction after... Uh, especially, I mean, Wonder Woman was already kind of a course correction. But I think especially with how they've found a way to still have fun and do serious things with Aquaman and Shazam. Well, they were just super determined, like, this is how we make money! And approaching, I mean, approaching any universe as this is how we make money is going to be a little rough to make it work. It's the same reason why their attempts to make a uh, shared universe of the monster movies didn't turn out, because they were more interested in, let's make a shit ton of that shared universe money, as opposed to, let's make movies that are in a shared universe. Mm-hmm. Uh that and just people need to stop hiring Tom Cruise. But oh, yeah, that's probably true. I don't know. I like watching him in things. I don't like listening to him out of things. But I've when never he's played in things, him for Vanilla Sky. If we're being entirely honest okay. here, when he's in things, I like him. When he's <laughs> out of things, he's a little bit more questionable. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> What was I going to say? We went to a lot of places already. Yeah, I was going to say we should probably largely just wrap this up. Um, there was oh, there was one, there was one last thing since we just got done hit. talking about DC and Marvel, and mostly the movie and TV side. And this, I think, is a good way to go into the wrap up. Mm-hmm. For six years now, we've been hearing the media say comic book movie fatigue. Do you think we're actually getting there yet? You know, I kind of hit it for a while, so I understand. We're not going to keep up. Every Marvel movie is the greatest selling movie of all time. It's just not possible. But we're still getting cowboy movies 80 years later. Like, it's not going to always be the primary genre, but it's going to be a part of our media going forward for as long as we have media now. Um good answer yeah it's never going away no it, it's they've figured out how to do too many fun interesting things with it. it it wouldn't make sense to just completely abandon it i yeah uh i guess my own thoughts on it are i think we're kind of seeing it it's just not happening in the way that the normal media thought it would. Well, they were like, oh, they're just going to abandon superhero movies. No, I'm absolutely never going to abandon superhero movies. My family still watches superhero movies, but we're not seeing every single one anymore. Partly because there's about 15 released a year. Yeah. Well, and here's the other here's the other way I think we're starting to see the fatigue, and it's not the way that they were talking about it for the last six years. Now... The Boys just hit 8 million viewers per episode for its entire first week on Amazon. The Tick, even though it got canceled, was huge. And we're starting to see other spin-offs sort of start to come around. There's a we just talked about DC and Marvel. There's a ton of comic book properties. Oh yeah, Umbrella Academy was huge. Umbrella Whoever Academy. I thought Umbrella Academy even would have made a move like a TV show. They just made a movie out of the kitchen. We just, oh, wow, I don't even know that one. We just both watched uh, the trailer for Bloodshot today. Oh, yeah, that was... 
you know, I, I really want him to be all albino-y with a red dot. And if they do that, then I'll be sold for, you know, let's go watch a Vin Diesel action movie for a few hours. And I think, I think we're hitting burnout in the same way that we actually did in the comics. Where at a certain point, The Watchmen came out. Mm-hmm. At the Watchmen show just premiered last and night. And it got rave reviews. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not a huge Watchmen fan. Uh, I'm and, just saying all the things I don't like today. And I think, much like... <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, much like in the comics, it just ushered in an era of being like, oh, we can do this with these characters? Yeah, we, we can do different weirder things instead of just straight up comic book films it's to me it kind of feels like we're hitting fatigue in the sense that we're coming out of in the movies would be the equivalent although uh, the atmosphere is different i'd say the equivalent of the silver age into the bronze age Mm. is happening now in the movies well we did 23 movies based off of the success of iron man like it's time to try new things joker Watchmen. We'll see how I feel about the grim dark era, but like, please try stuff. But that's the thing: the grim dark era led to an entire generation of writers who grew up being like, "Oh, this is what you can do with these." Yeah, that's absolutely. And true. so I think this is just setting up for the a whole new wave where we're looking at it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And I think also a lot of these movies have been really smart about not all playing out the same way. Logan is a western. Logan's great. Logan is easily the best thing Fox ever did with the X-Men properties. Ant-Man at its core is a heist movie. Yeah. Endgame at its core is kind of a heist movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're not all being made... I mean, um, Civil War was a political thriller. Yeah, so was Winter Soldier, and uh, First Avenger was a period flick. Like, no, I, I am completely in agreement that they are definitely not all the same movie, but there's kind of a core and I think, that they did. That I it's... think that's the way it gets talked about, though, is like, these are comic book movies. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like, these are like four different genres right here. Yeah. They just all involve uh... comic book characters. <laughs> Someone once told me in my nerdy, wacky sword stuff, like, you can't do a superhero look here. You can't make superhero and medieval. And it pissed me off so much that it changed my art style for four years. <laughs> um, I will prove you wrong. Uh, so I don't I think we're hitting it. I just don't think it, no, it's it, happening like they yeah, expected. entirely. From traditional what we've gotten in the movies beforehand. So this is kind of a weird episode because we've never done this before and we have some ideas of how we want to do it but we we didn't have any structure here whatsoever but uh one thing that i really wanted to end episodes with was a recommended media kind of thing what what is something that you think that people would definitely enjoy it could be something that everyone's seen could be something that no one's seen could be new old whatever just uh jason aaron's mighty thor run yeah, okay. You don't even have to do, like, his entire Thor everything, but I just, I've went through his entire Thor up till, I think I'm, like, three issues behind where he's at right now. The God Butcher with Asad Rebic, the the first one, is one of the prettiest Thor comics I have ever read in my life, and it has a young Viking Thor on a space shark fighting god killers, and that is 
If that doesn't sell you on it, I don't know what to tell you. Then once you get to the Mighty Thor th- stuff, though, with minor spoilers, but we kind of know because now there's a movie coming out. Jane is Thor. Is it still a spoiler three years later? I don't know. Some of these things I think still are. Uh, I had started reading it like a, like a year and a half ago and just never finished it. And then when they announced Love and Thunder, I was like, oh, I should probably finish that Yeah, then. that's kind of where I've been at. Jane is such a good Thor. Everybody go read Jane is Thor. I, I read some of her as an, as an Avenger in Thor, uh, or Thor in the Avengers, her, whatever, uh, that was really good. I haven't read much of the, like, main series itself. It's, yeah, it's just this beautiful... It, it's a wonderful story of her being just stupidly heroic all the time. Like, mm-hmm. inspiringly heroic in these gigantic, epic, epic battles that Aaron just constantly throws in your face in that series. Oh, yeah. She goes up against the Shi'ar gods. Yeah, I'm in, man. I'm, yeah, Ooh. I was already sold, but keep selling. Um, all right. I think I got two. One is a band that's been around since the early 2000s, so it's not new, but uh, the Proto Men, if you've ever heard their albums. It is a band out of Texas that was like, you know what would be great? A metal rock opera based off Mega Man, but like super dark in 1984. It is, I'm not even a fan of metal, and it is so good. (laughs) They've released three albums, Act 1, which is about Mega Man, Act 2, about how Dr. Wily took over the world, because in this version, like, he's one. Oh, okay. And then they did an unrelated album, which was their Queen tribute cover album. And it's just a bunch of, like, weird Texas metalheads having fun singing Queen. And it is so good. Uh, I highly recommend you try it. And then my other one is going to be a pretty out-there comic called Wonton Soup by James Stokoe. It is... It is about... A man from a planet that is entirely based around cooking who becomes a space trucker so he can eat every kind of food that he can find. And because it's space and because James Stokoe is the weirdest person alive, it includes animals that are engineered to be eaten and want to be, uh, to weird fruits, to... A man sacrificing his own twin to make a meal to appease a giant living tongue in a, like, space-chopped version. This all sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it is. I'll lend it to you. It's so good. It is literally about two space truckers going around eating, fucking, and smoking everything that they can possibly find. It is not a safe thing to bring to work. It has a sex bear. Uh, But it is... It is weird in every way that I love and want comic books to be weird. Uh, I want to make one more recommendation. Please hit me. I say that a lot. Uh, because the final season ends soon, if not, it might have just ended. I'm not I'm not caught up to the current week. I'm a couple weeks behind. Uh, the Preacher TV show outdoes the comics. Ooh. Preacher TV or the Preacher comics is about the only time I've really enjoyed Steve Dillon's work. So I am super excited to see that. So with that coming to an end, I can't. And I, at some point, I hope we have uh, an episode just talking about Preacher because that's an interesting series. Hit me. Uh, that is. I have 
I have thoughts about Ennis's work in that series as much as I I love it to death, but I have thoughts I have about thoughts. Ennis. Yeah. Um, so I hope we cover it more in depth at some point. But in my opinion, after having lovingly read the series, the television show outdoes it. Awesome. All right. So for our recommended media, we have Wonton Soup by James Stokoe. We have The Proto Men by The Proto Men. Uh, Jason Aaron's Mighty Thor run with quite a few right artists so i, I can't yeah, give you all of those and preacher which is on amc MC. yeah uh produced by seth rogan oh god i forgot about that yeah. and uh, and his uh writing partner evan goldberg <laughs> so the people that brought you the 40 year old virgin now bring you yeah weird right <laughs> <laughs> an amazing version of preacher <laughs> Uh, so I guess that's it. We don't have a sign-off yet. Nope, not really. Uh, is there anywhere outside of this that people can see your work, see stuff you do? Oh, man. Thanks for setting me up like that. Oh, I'm setting myself up, so you go first. <laughs> Good. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it earlier. I'm like 130 episodes into another podcast, so head over to friedsquirms.com. You can check that out if you're into horror. We talk the entire range of the horror spectrum from just terrible schlocky horror comedies to like super extreme brutal more underground type stuff to be honest i imagine if someone's listening to this they probably found us through fried squirms but still just to be safe we'll see we'll see that's a bit niche that's true that's a bit niche so uh, i'm not going to count on that but you can also head over uh, on the youtube and i'm one of the stars of the just a friendly reminder youtube series um I'd suggest typing in just a friendly reminder. We always refer to it as Jafar. But if you type in just Jafar, you get a lot of Arabic videos. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just a friendly reminder. It is a surrealist slash... It's a a bit of surreal uh, look at um, grocery and retail training videos. Oh, okay. So it's just modern Dada. I'm in. Uh, you haven't watched Jafar yet? I have not. I am the bad friend. Oh, it's who's okay. Like, oh, that's no, great. It's okay. <laughs> that's that's fine. I, I'm almost happier that you haven't watched it yet so that you can. Like, <laughs> I, how about this? I will watch it like 10 minutes before we uh, do the next episode and just come in being like, what the hell, man? Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> uh, I don't write them. But one of the stars. So go check that out. All right. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, and hopefully by the time this comes out, Instagram. I am not good at Instagram. Uh, I do all sorts of art on Thumbs Up, the art of Zach Johnson. Uh, you will find my leather work, my plastic dipping, my sewing, the comic work that I make. Anything that has grabbed my attention that day will probably go up on that page. Dope. Oh, and yeah, Fried Swarms is also... If you search for Five Squirms across any of the social medias, you should find our our stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's it. So, cool. for this episode zero, we are the generals of nerdery. Tyler, Zach, goodbye. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>